Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Can you hear me okay in back? Okay. If it, my voice apparently tends to get a little quiet, so if uh, you start to lose me, just give me the universal signal. Is there anyone new here today? A couple of new folks. Three. Welcome. Welcome to Houston Zen Center. Uh, may you find your home here as I found my home at Austin Zen Center uh, 20 plus years ago. So may this place be a space of refuge for you in your practice in your life. The thing about giving Dharma talks is it helps to be prepared. <laughs> I've known this talk was coming for a while and uh, was thinking about it and thinking about it had a, a, um, a story from the transmission of light that really resonated with and was thinking about it, trying to put it together in my mind. Last night I was thinking about it. <laughs> this morning I was thinking about it. Still wasn't coming together. The talk was just not coming together. And finally I thought, I'm not going to think my way out of this. So came down and sat Sazen and didn't think about it. And during Soji, as I was pacing back and forth upstairs, <laughs> trying to figure out how, how am I going to pull this talk together? Oh my gosh. I realized that the reason that I've been struggling with this talk is because it's so personal. It's, it's, a, it's a very personal talk. Um, I don't normally give personal talks. Um, but this, this really lands for me, this, this, whole, uh, this whole subject. So I want to begin by thanking all of the ancestors who have handed this practice down over 2,500 years. Um, we had a close call at one point, I think you've heard me say, where our school almost died out and the Rinzai tradition saved us, and then it picked up again and flourished. All these ancestors. And then I think about all of my teachers, all of my mentors that I've practiced with the past 23 plus years. Um, Sarah and Barbara Cohn, Kosho McCall, my root teacher, Priyush and Paul Howard, Steve Stuckey, Leslie James, Galen Roshi, uh, all of these people that have meant so much to me in the course of my practice life, who've in encouraged me enheartened me in subtle, in numerous ways. Um, Galen shared that we, uh, we've both been plant managers at Tassajara. It's one of the least thankful jobs <laughs> at San Francisco's Center. Because nothing you ever do is enough. Like it's that intenso, <laughs> you get to hear about it. So I had the... Uh, the timing of my becoming plant manager at Tassajara was immediately after forest fire. And so there was um, a lot of work to be done. I remember Steve Stuckey, uh, after the fire, we were all in the, in the dining room, and he had us go around and say two words, two words about how we felt, how we were feeling about the next practice period, how we were feeling about life post-fire. And people went around and said, deep faith, great trust, 
very uh, nice things. And when it was my turn, I said, lots of work. Um, so at the, at the end of my plant managership, a uh, year and a half, uh, Galen came to uh, the spring work period. I was getting ready to leave in a few weeks. And she very generously offered to clean my office uh, because I'd been working from can to can't most of the time. Uh, all the mail was just piled up on my desk in the office. And uh, uh, I don't know if you know how, what a great kindness that was. So thank you very much, Gail. Um, so, related to all of this, this is in the, the Denkaroku, the transmission of the light, which is the stories of the tradition being passed down, warm hand to warm hand, warm heart to warm heart. And this is our ancestor, Fuyo Dokai. So he's just about three people before Dokan. And he's, uh, Fuyo Dokai has had uh, an interaction with his teacher, Tosu Gise. And um, after the light has gone on, for Fuyo Dokai. One day while he was attending Tosu Gisei, they walked around in the vegetable garden. Gisei handed him his staff and he took it and followed. Gisei said, this is how it should be. Dokai said, I don't consider it improper to carry your shoes or staff. And a little bit later, the master comes, uh, Gisei comes to, to Dokai and says, you know, our interaction's not finished yet. And Dokai says, please, speak. So um, Kisei lights a lamp. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> um, and Gisei says, if I'm with you, this is how it should be. Kisei said, in whose house are there, are there no servants? The master replied, uh, Dokai replied, um, you're getting old. Um, or in whose house are there no servants? Uh, master replied, the master's getting old. It won't do to be without them. Gisei said, you're so obliging. The master said, it is my duty to repay kindness. It all boils down to set up for that very last line. It's my duty to repay kindness. It's my duty to repay the kindness of my teacher. It's my duty to repay the kindness of all of my mentors. It's my duty to repay the kindness of everyone that I've come in contact with who's given me subtle, innumerable encouragements. So it's very important, very, very important to acknowledge the roles of teachers and mentors in our life. It's important not to take our teachers and mentors for granted, not to make assumptions that they're always going to be there, because we never know what can happen in the next breath, in the next moment. And when we come to really appreciate this, this duty to repay kindness naturally arises. So this duty to repay kindness means not taking them for granted. It means showing up. It means be as clear as you can about your intentions when you're asking someone to be your teacher. Know what it is that you're asking. Know what it is that you want. Where I practiced for many years at San Francisco Zen Center, to ask someone to be your teacher was, you were saying, uh, I want to be trained. But that's not the case for everyone. So it really helps to know what our intentions are. A number of years ago, when I lived at City Center, Shuaku Okamura came and 
was uh, leading a Genzo, a, a, a study of Dogen's, uh, Dogen's various fascicles. And um, the one we were studying was Yobutsu Yobutsu, only a Buddha and a Buddha. And I had uh, Dogsan with my, I had the good fortune to sit down and, and talk with him. And I said, I asked, what's the most important thing about the student-teacher relationship? And he said, uh, pay attention to what they do well, and don't pay too much attention to what they don't do so what, what they don't do so well. And what he was meaning was, or how it landed for me, was, uh, don't obsess about their faults, don't obsess about their loss, don't obsess about the fact that they're mortal human beings, right? Acknowledge it. Don't don't be blind to it. Be blind to it. But don't overly focus on really pay attention to what they do well. Pay attention to what they're good at. Because it's very, um, it's very, very important to remember. And I don't think that this really gets, um, that it really occurs to a lot of us. It didn't mean for a long time. But our teachers, our mentors, are also students. They're not a finished product. We are painfully, deeply flawed. So we give, we give them the space to continue to be a work in progress just as they give us the space to be a work in progress. That's why it's really helpful and not so common that you get to see teachers having a lot of time with their teachers. It's even at San Francisco Zen Center, um, like I never saw my teacher and Blanche Hartman together a whole lot. Well, that's really helpful. You know, that's really helpful to see that when it happens because the teacher is modeling to us how to be with the teacher. It's very important that that happens. Another way, a very crucial way that we can repay kindness, teacher's kindness, is to take responsibility for our practice, not to make them responsible. So if we're struggling and the teacher says, hmm, something going on, it's not so helpful to say, well, if you were any kind of teacher, you'd know. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that. <laughs> we take responsibility for our practice. We take responsibility for getting ourselves to the, to the zendo, for sitting down, for paying attention, for owning our nonsense when it comes up, apologizing when necessary. It's very, very helpful. And it's very empowering because the, the moment that we take responsibility for our practice is the moment that we stop giving up our power. <laughs> that doesn't mean that we don't do what our teacher says when they give us instruction. What it means is that we show up completely and wholeheartedly. So uh, a line that came to me this morning, it's a, it's a variation of a riff says when it says uh, that, I, that uh, I wrote down, when in anger or in doubt, take a breath and check it out. <laughs> when in anger or in doubt, take a breath, check it out. Don't assume, don't make assumptions. The reason I say all of this is because some of us, all of us, in some way or another, are going to be in a role of being a mentor. Whether you know it or not, that's the most important thing, whether you know it or not. 
So it's, it's very helpful to remember this so that we can be upright. My first practice period at Tassajara, we chanted the Ehe Koso Hotsunyangman every day at lunch. And by the end of 90 days, we were chanting it. Ah, oh, this chant again. <laughs> yeah, I'm, just, I'm just so sick of this chant. <laughs> and then years later, I got to Austin Zen Center. When I returned to Austin Zen Center, we were chanting, and I thought, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> this is amazing. What an amazing chant. And it's right in line with uh, the story of Sacho uh, Chikan. Right? Teacher comes into the hall and says, The world honored one spoke with a hidden meaning, but it was not concealed to Kashapa. When the master heard this, Chikan was suddenly awakened to its profound meaning. Standing there in the ranks with the others, his tears fell. He unconsciously burst out, Why haven't I heard this before? Why haven't I heard this before? How many times of chanting the Ehe Koso Hotsoganma did it take for me to hear it? Sometimes it takes us a long time. It takes us a long time to come around. And our teacher is patiently waiting, patiently present with us as we undergo our flailing and flowers to come out the other side. So in the Ehe Koso Hotsoganma, it says, Buddhas and ancestors of old were as we, we in the future shall be Buddhas and ancestors. A little bit later, Master uh, Lumya says, before Buddhas were enlightened, they were the same as we. Enlightened people of today are exactly as those of old. It's all, all of our ancestors, all the people who came before us, all of our mentors had the exact same struggles that you have now. We in the future will be Buddhas and ancestors. This is to take our place. Acknowledge that in some way we are going to be a teacher or a mentor to someone. This is how we repay our teacher's kindness, by continuing to pay it forward in the very best way that we can. I think in my case, I should probably say it's my duty to repay my teacher's patience. Because I think of all my practice leaders, I probably tested their patience beyond all bounds, you know, and yet they, sh they showed up, they were there, present, listened to my nonsense as very best they could without rolling their eyes. <laughs> so my, my deepest hope, my deepest hope for all of us is that we, that we repay the kindness of all of our teachers, our mentors, anyone that we've come in contact with. It's given us a single encouraging word. It's also my deepest hope that this talk has been relatively coherent. <laughs> Are you going to be okay? Are you going to be okay? Oh, how nice of you to ask. It's my duty to repay the kindness of my teacher. As we breathe, may it be so. Thank you very much.